0: It's the One Hundred and Twenty Podcast, late on a Sunday night. I'm Mikey Fernelli alongside Benjamin Hooty. That sounded like I'd start like a game, like a college baseball game. I'm I'm, I'm too far separated from doing games live, Ben. I got to get back out there. But it's the One Hundred and Twenty Podcast, and this is coming at you on a Monday recording on a Sunday night. And Ben, at the end of our last episode, you said something along the lines of, "I'm not going to keep down on this Cubs team." Who knows? We can get out there, sweep the Pirates and see what happens from there. And then they, uh, they swept the Pirates twice. So, so where are you at on the morale train, uh, on the big blue train, as it was once called right now, as the Cubs have won, I believe, 11 games in their last 13?
1: I, it's been a lot, it's been a really, I, we have when was the last time we recorded? Two weeks ago Two now? Two weeks
0: ago. It was right after the Angels sweep.
1: And you know what? It's been, uh, it's been a really fun two weeks. You can't even, uh, discredit that. Um, and I, you, you know, if you've been keeping up with our social medias, I mean, we've been having a lot of fun with this. Me and Mikey have been texting privately. Pretty I wish constantly. You, Yeah. Pretty constantly. Uh, and he keeps antagonizing me about, uh, <laughs> cubs are back. And I said, we will not use the B word yet. I'm still not going to use the B word. Even my friends, they're like, tell us they're back. Tell us they're back. I will not use the B word, mm-hmm. but we are on a very positive track right now. Everything's clicking really nicely. It would have been nice to get that sweep today. And I guarantee we could, there's a lot to talk about, mm-hmm. including London. But um yeah, it's been an awesome two weeks. And I think this is probably one of our, this will probably be one of our higher morale episodes since yeah. early in the season.
0: Throw it around the horn real fast. 8-2 and two in their last 10. 37-39 in the season, so 2 games under 500. 3 games back in this division, only a game, in, or sorry, a half a game behind. Milwaukee in that second spot. The Reds still hanging out at 41 and 37 with the Ellie De La Cruz effect, winning 12 in a row uh, and lost yesterday. I don't know what they did today. Actually, they that's lost new, today. They lost today. again today. Lost, okay, yeah. So that's two in a row for the Reds. So they're also eight and two in their last 10. And the Cubs have had a couple series wins in a row. They beat the Pirates at home in three games, swept all of those games. They Almost took all three from Baltimore, won that series two to one. Then they went to Pittsburgh and swept the Pirates yet again, exposing them as the frauds they are, as Benjamin Hootie prophesized. And then in London, split a series against the baby birds. So, Ben, let's start with this. Out of those series, and I'm gonna inter- I'm gonna hit you with an interview question. We're not gonna count the Giants series because we've recorded since then. That we recorded yeah. after the Giants series, not the Angel series. So Pirates in Chicago, Pirates in Pittsburgh, Baltimore in Chicago, and Cardinals in London. Which series were you most impressed by the baseball you saw from the Cubs? And I hate to put you on the spot so you can think about it for a second, but I have a feeling you have a pretty good answer.
1: Um, I'm going to go with Baltimore. Yeah. As much as not getting the sweep in and, you know, it's tough. It's tough to sweep in the major leagues and obviously sweeping Pittsburgh twice is, phenomenal and uh, from a baseball standpoint that's exactly what you want but Baltimore is up there with the heavy hitters in baseball right now they are a top four team in the league right now and even post Cubs series they've taken two series ever since then Mm -hmm. so I mean just watching those first two Baltimore games and how the offense was clicking especially on that I think it was Friday was it the Friday game they brought back out the Wrigleyville jerseys yep Get mm-hmm. three straight homer or three homers Ten in one. 10 to three inning. win. Yeah. Yeah. Amaya and Dansby and Morrell all getting homers into the bleachers with everyone just on their feet. It was just, it was just a, a joy to watch, especially after sweeping Pittsburgh. Just that it was just impressive in itself to see like fundamental baseball against a really good team that is the Baltimore Orioles and really just. To keep it going from here on out now, too, and I mean they they've they've had they've taken a couple series against really good teams this year, but they haven't really been able to stay consistent after those series wins. You take two out of three against Baltimore and then you go right back to Pittsburgh and beat the crap out of them
0: I mean Ron Coomer brought up a really good point on the radio that series I remember I think it was that Saturday game the Cubs took three to two. Uh, to limit the Orioles to only five runs in those first two games and then the Orioles won 6-3 on Sunday as I, as I have here. Um, to limit the Orioles to only five runs in those first two days really shows how difficult Wrigley Field can be for AL batters who have never played there before as good of a young core as it is. And I'm taking those words from Ron Coomer who pointed it out. And it's a really interesting theory about, you know, why, especially an American League team, a young, good American League team, like a Baltimore Orioles, like maybe even a Toronto Blue Jays uh, when that time comes, and even the Rangers when we played them in Wrigley. Why, you know, you see the Cubs winning those games at home, especially because it can be tough, especially with the wind blowing in, like it was that series uh, a lot of those days. Um I'm not going to say it was all, you know, circumstances. The Cubs definitely played a great series and it's great to beat a young, good team, but for those Orioles fans out there somehow listening to this podcast, it's something to genuinely be worried about the inexperience of your team playing everywhere but your division.
1: For sure, but you know what? The Orioles are one of those teams that like I've I've really noticed it this year more than any other year. Every division plays a different kind of baseball Mm -hmm. and the and the al east the kind of baseball the al east plays is you want to hit 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 home runs that's Mm -hmm. that's that's how they do it i mean look at toronto look at the yankees look at boston all all five of those teams are over 500 and it's because they probably are leaders in home runs and now you look at the central too and it's kind of just both centrals really it's just nitty-gritty pitching not high scoring offenses and you know what when you come to wrigley field the Cubs are going to make you play that type of game no matter who the opponent is, whether it's yeah. an NL Central opponent or an NL West or whoever it might be. And then moving on, just to blank
0: Pittsburgh in the first two games in Pittsburgh, um, I know we kind of skipped over that Pittsburgh home series. Uh, that's almost about two weeks ago at this point. Great sweep in those games, uh scored over seven runs in all three of those ones, and then almost did it again in Pittsburgh. Oh.
1: All eight, come from behind victories too.
0: Yeah, and well an eight nothing, a four nothing, and an eight three in Pittsburgh. You're talking about in Chicago, that was the all yeah, Chicago. And then in Pittsburgh, they just bopped the floor with them. Twi- two nights in a row, blanked them, eight, four, 8 nothing, four nothing, and then an eight three. So of those six games, Cubs scored over seven runs in five. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and it's really it's just it's I'm um, I i do not think we can bring back the big blue train yet because i feel like that's like a jinx on our season almost that's like at this me point.
0: that's like you saying the cubs are back that's mine like i can't say big blue train
1: because it's gonna jinx it again someone gets a big hit all right bring him home here whoever it might be whether it's dansby or nico or mike freaking talkman who's just been the goat and he has he has electrified this group into being a good offense again in that leadoff spot I mean, I, I, I know it's crazy to say that, but it feels like he's the one that's like saving the season at this point. Oh, um, I love how they've also during
0: this great streak, I love how they've brought back, uh, twisting it. Yeah. Cause it's, they it never left, but like the little celebration on base because it's funny cause Talkman does it a lot. Bellinger and Swanson obviously do it a lot cause they, I feel like those guys kind of made it popular. Um, and Morell does it like almost every single time. And one of my one of (laughs) we'll get into London now. One of my favorite moments of the last two weeks for the Cubs was today. Uh I was I was gone this weekend, so I didn't get a chance to watch much of the game London games, but I watched the highlights of uh Friday or Saturday and I watched most of the game today.
1: I really hope you're you're gonna say the same thing that I'm thinking about right now too.
0: It was when Morrell was on second, and there was a a fly to right, and they caught it, and he tag he attempted to tag up, but then ended up coming back to the base, and didn't advance the third, but made it back in just the nick of time, and they called him out at second originally, but they but they went to the booth in London, sent it back across the pond in New York, and then they they overturned it to be safe, but. But as Morrell slid back into second from not advancing, he looked at the Cubs dugout and just does the twist and (laughs) left. He was, he was serious. He's like, yeah, man, I'm still on base. And then we, and then, you know, so we, I think we struck out to end the inning, but it was, it was just on second, takes a little hop, not, not a deep enough ball, gets back, is called out and does the twist it. And it was, it was. Oh, even in one of the few Cubs losses of the week, that was one of my favorite moments. Just Christopher Morel always being so smiley and being like he's just
1: a man playing the kids game. He's so funny and that that was a great moment today. I don't know what that umpire <laughs> saw because he was clearly safe. He was safe. Even even the Cardinals infield like all gathered up <laughs> on Morrell and was like joking around with them when they did that. Mm-hmm. But right before that, he hit a single to get on first. And this is another Christopher Morrell story. I, I assuming you didn't see it live during the game, but Christopher Morrell gets on first. And the first thing that he does when he gets on first is he hugs Paul Goldschmidt and Goldie was just not having any of it. It was like, cause I mean, Christopher Morrell's better. He got, he had three singles, uh, on Saturday. So he, he saw a lot of Paul Goldschmidt, but that was a big moment for the Cardinals because, you know, they were up by three runs at that point, and the tying run was coming up to the – or whatever whatever it might be, and Christopher Morrell just gets on base and just hugs Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie just does not give him any – like, he just looked at him like, dude, what the hell are you doing?
0: Like 36, how old is he? Like 36 or 37-year-old Paul Goldschmidt. Just – it's crazy how old that guy is. Um, Just hanging out at first, he's seen a lot of these rooks just come in and around, and I just love how no matter who it is, Morel is just gonna gonna do something like that he just loves like he's such a friendly guy like, we've talked about it on this pod like he doesn't do his whole like wave hello to everyone and their mother thing anymore because of the pitch clock but like he still acknowledges like three or four people before his first step out which is I think is an awesome tradition
1: I mean there was another mo- there was another moment with him yesterday where I literally I like had deja vu Nolan Arenado got a uh, Ball hit to him for the third out of the inning and he, and Morrell was coming over from second. He just went to go tag Morrell and Morrell gives him a hug as he's going to tag him. It reminded me too much of Javi Baez in the wild card game when Noah Arnato was going to have a double play, but it only ended up being one out because Javi Baez decided to hug Noah (laughs) Arnato. I mean, uh, I, that, that game, that game lives in infamy for me, but I'll never forget Javi Baez with the most heads up base running play of all time and hugging Nolan Arenado to avoid a double play.
0: Yeah. Well, that was because Baez was playing heads up baseball. Morell's just being a nice guy. Yeah. And, uh, don't forget that Terrence Gore scored the only run for the Cubs in that game. Oh, Jesus. But, right, uh, let's, uh, that's, let's what, get,
1: that's, let's get to more positive things. Yeah.
0: That's my, that's my favorite fun fact about the Cubs. Um, but. London in and of itself. I told my um and Joe if you're listening I'm sorry, but I told myself I was only going to buy one of the cool London obvious shirts if we won both games because there are some awesome ones, but I think I'm going to think I'm going to hold off. I've gotten a lot recently. I wanted to get the one that said I'd rather fly across the ocean than go to St. Louis. Um but I think cuz we split it, I don't know if I'm going to get it. But it has been a great couple weeks for the Cubs and Ben I think my favorite part of London, regardless of two games, was the Cubs pub. All the pictures and videos from the Cubs pub, they turned a a bar, a pub, a a little spot in the good old city of London into the Cubs pub for fans. Ron Coomer, Pat Hughes, Zach Zademan, they were kind of like the hosts, you know, drinking and hanging out with Cubs fans. And it was a Q&A section. Um, And Tom Ricketts took the mic across the pond, you know, thinking I'm safe from any big grill Grilling questions here, you know we're we're in London. There's no one here that's serious enough to ask me anything beyond you know some positive questions. But no, somebody, Tom, this is a, this is a good team right now. Like what what are we thinking about Marcus Stroman? About you know this Cubs team? What are we gonna do at the deadline? And Tom said, quote, obviously we're buyers right now. Things can come off the rails, but if I don't think they will. I think what we have is a core that can compete for this division and compete for the playoffs. And now it's finding the missing parts to add to it. So whether that was an American fan who made the flight across the pond or a British fan, I really appreciate you asking that. And I really appreciate Tom's answer, honestly. It was actually pretty transparent for once. And what do you, what do you think about that, Ben? So I could take a breath here
1: after about two minutes of me talking there. I mean, it's, it's a valid, it's a valid question because I think it's what we all want to know, but you know that's just what you kind of get this year with nl central baseball am i right like yeah this is really anyone's division probably up until the last week of the season especially with cincinnati playing and really incredible baseball right now don't even like they they might fall off but you you got to give them the 12 12 wins in a row is really impressive and you know milwaukee's obviously always going to be in there too and You never know when St. Louis will resurge as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to think that after being 10 games under that we're going to be buyers at the deadline. But you know, that's what you, that's what you want to see. I mean, this is anyone's division and you're only what, what'd you say? Three games out right now of first place?
0: Yeah, they're currently three games out. Um, and the Reds take that lead in the division. Obviously still a couple games above 500. Um I will interject here for a second. I was literally thinking to myself today it's interesting to bring up when the cardinals will resurge. because I mean they're famous for having like awesome falls like awesome ends of the summers like August September all of a sudden it's like here comes St Louis but I almost feel like I almost feel like they've dug themselves too far into a hole i'm i've re I really hate saying it. That's why I'm knocking on wood so many times, but like, I almost feel like they're in too deep right now. Like the Cardinals are just kind of like not giving up, but it's like, especially with how good the Reds have played and how surprising the Pirates and the Cubs have both been. I think they're almost out of it.
1: It's it's, it is a pretty, especially when you look at the division, like even if you look at Pittsburgh at four, like they're not too far behind, but we've seen how they've played the last 10 games. But I mean, seeing a nine in front of St. Louis and how many games back they are is just really weird to see. Mm -hmm. And we're getting to that point now where, like, you know, you have Yankees fans being dead serious about, hey, you know, maybe Nolan Arenado is available to trade this summer. Like, who knows? It's it's gonna it's certainly gonna be interesting because even if the Cardinals are bad this entire year, you know, they can bounce back next year with the lineup they have. It, It. I was I was on the plane yesterday actually watching um the game. Thank you Southwest for having Fox. That was the only positive about the <laughs> Cubs being on national TV. Um and I looked over at my brother and just seeing their 1 through 9, it was like how the hell is this team almost 15 games under 500? I mean, yeah. their 1 through 9 is just as good as any team in the in major leagues. Well, yeah, you keep going. That pitching is just atrocious, and Wainwright, it seems to be his days are starting to turn on him, and this is probably his last season, and I know they just lost Jack Flaherty again to another injury. So, you never know with St. Louis, but I think you're right. They They might have dug themselves too deep at this point. Knock on wood.
0: The Cardinals, for years, it seemed like, it's funny you bring up that example, because it seemed like for years... They would win that division with just the most, or at least give the Cubs or anyone a run for their money in the NL Wild Card for with just the most random hodgepodge of nine individuals because they just have that winning way. They have that, like you know, that that development center. They have that ability to make, you know, it's like the Dodgers. They can make nine guys into a playoff team. They just can't. Like I'll give them their flowers. Like, and so now that they have, I mean, just an All Star team, at least infield wise, they just. It, they cannot put a bandaid on se- how terrible that pitching staff is. I mean, they are exactly. atrocious. They are atrocious. Even the game that they like the pitching staff, as I'm saying, like even a game where they win today seven to five. We we not we. I mean, we talked about Stroman getting hit up today. We did the same thing to Libertor first inning. I, we just completely just knocked everyone all these Cardinals pitchers the whole weekend, especially Wainwright, who is borderline a hall of famer in his own right probably not but borderline has seen way better days they they ought to call their former former ace john lester back up and say hey want to come back and play some games again john
1: and it i mean going back to the lineup too i mean you probably you hit all the nails on the head with the pitching but just thinking about like obviously goldie and arenado are having normal years like it's not like they're struggling in any means but to add to that offense Nolan gorman Paul DeYoung, Brendan Donovan, on the hitting side, all three of those guys are having their best seasons of their entire career. Mm-hmm. Like, Paul DeYoung, obviously, he was an all-star at, at one point or another. I think one or two-time all-star, whatever it might be. Whatever it is, yeah. He still he has dealt with injuries and getting sent down to AAA and whatnot the last couple of years, and he's just mashing the ball now that he's back up and playing shortstop for them full-time. And then those two utility guys that they got, Gorman and Donovan, are just having I mean, Gorman might win the got goddamn silver slugger in the for second base in the NL.
0: And again, it's it just can't cover up that staff.
1: No, um, exactly.
0: Ron Coomer said, I just keep dropping that guy. I like I love that guy, but um he accidentally said that on the radio, which I wasn't listening but I heard after the fact, accidentally called Paul DeYoung a southern Illinois guy. I was I was upset about that one. I want Illinois State to get their moment in the sun when they can, whenever the Cubs play the Cardinals. And he acts in, in the moment he could have said it. He said S I U, the Salukis. Well,
1: if you played MLB be the show 21, and you used uh, Paul DeYoung's 89 at the beginning of the year, you'll never get uh, who who was the announcer at the time? Matt Vasgersian. Every time Paul DeYoung came up to the plate. The Illinois State alumni, Paul DeYoung, every single time, (laughs) every Every single single time,
0: time. every single time. Well, then I I never played that one because I was never, I was never into the show as much because I, when I was a kid, like they had, it was only PlayStation, but I'm assuming like other sports games, like if you made a, like a personalized, my career kind of thing, like, could you have said you're from Illinois State because that was already like pre-saved in the, in the like announcer presets.
1: I assume so, yeah. I mean, I I'll, I'll be playing Madden and I'll right. be making a quarterback for myself, thinking I'm, you know, Tom Brady out there, and I'll always put Illinois State as <laughs> oh, like my State. college. So.
0: Well, you you don't have this is way off topic, but we always have at least one conversation off topic. You don't have a name like just like me. Your name is not like particularly common, especially because it's spelled Huddy. Like, uh, I don't think was your last name ever in the presets for like a my career for like sports video games.
1: Oh, absolutely not. So yeah. I would have to give myself some, like... So I think it will be the show that the only, like, the only one that was close to Hootie was Hoot. So I'd be Hoot. Ben, Hoot ben Hoot coming up to the plate. Yeah. I
0: I think I probably did something similar or I'd do, like, a goofy nickname, but that got old fast. Yeah. Because it was always... it was Again, I wasn't even a big show fan. I was, a, like, I'd play a lot of NHL video games, but my, my name was never common enough. How did we get to this? We were talking about
1: we we're talking about Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung, being from SAU, Illinois right, so State. You got you, so. whatever, yeah. but
0: You know what? You know what's funny? Uh going back to the NL Central. I don't think people talk about the Brewers enough. Like we we never we kind of let the Brewers kind of fly quietly under the radar as like, you know, three games better than the Cubs, three games above, above 500, sorry. Um a couple games better than the Cubs. And um uh, One Reds' miraculous win streak away from the Brewers completely being in control of this division in some alternate reality. I mean, the Reds have gone on a tear, but the Brewers rightfully are probably the top of this division if if things went their way.
1: I think the thing that's the reason we're not talking about the Brewers enough is obviously they've been floating around 500 the entire season. But that pitching staff just hasn't lived up to what they wanted it to be this year. I think Woodruff's dealing with injuries. Corbin Burns, I'm looking at it right now, has got a 410 this season. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you want to see out of a former Cy Young pitcher and what many called the best pitcher in baseball going into this season. So I don't know. Yep. They, they've, they've certainly been one of the weirder teams in Major League Baseball for a team that, that's that's, they, they haven't really been in first place at all, but they've been able to hold their ground this entire season and not really move out of that second place spot while still saying, well, still staying a couple games over 500 for majority of the year. So the bottom line here,
0: going back to what we talked about with Ricketts before we got into some, you know, NL Central talk and sports video games, um, Tom Ricketts said what he did about obviously we're buyers, quote, right now. He also said something when someone asked about Stroman specifically, he said you're going to have to talk to Jed about that, which is fine. He's just deflecting the question. I get it. But, Ben. This is something we talked about before the cameras are rolling here, and I think we should talk about it here on the pod. What do you think are the biggest keys if it pertains to the Cubs over the next month, staying in that area where they, they're not just going to have a fire sale for the third year in a row? Like what, what is the keys to staying afloat right now?
1: I think you put it best right there. Staying afloat is the main key. If you could stay afloat in this division right now, if you can stay three games out of five, Three games out of, or excuse me, three games out of the NL Central, you're right there in it. You're, you have every right to buy at the deadline. And you know what? I, I've, I keep saying this to my, my friends and my, and people that family and whatnot about the Cubs. This, as much as you want to see the Cubs win a World Series this year and go far in the playoffs, it's more than likely not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But. There are still things that need to get there are still positions that need to get filled on this team, and if you truly want to show us that you care about competing, go out and get that left handed reliever go out and get a third baseman, go out and get a potential first baseman because clearly none of the first basemen that we have decided to use this year have worked out for us yeah so that show that you want to be a competitive team and that you can win this division and take it all with a couple moves. I don't think they're going to make a sexy Shane Bieber trade that completely depletes the farm system because that's just not where they're at right now. Now, maybe next year that that's a potential if the Cubs are, you know, improve on what they're doing so far this season. Maybe that's something you could do next year at the trade line line or before the season. But right now I'm looking at a solid left-hand reliever on a, on a, a team that's not doing too hot. I'm looking at a potential third baseman. I know a name that keeps coming up is former friend of ours, Jamie Candelario. Mm. That would be a, that's a great fit for the Cubs, be especially great, with yeah. that switch. He's he's a third baseman, which we, we need, even though Nicky barrels has been uh doing pretty well recently. Still Nick, Nick Madrigal is a, a guy that should be utility for you. You need an everyday starting baseman and Jamie Candelario would fill that just perfectly for the Cubs. I think Slappy,
0: Nikki Barrels, Nikki Three Strike, Two Strike, excuse me, whatever you want to call him, I think he might be, um tradable ammunition. Really, really seems like a nice guy, good ball player, I like him, I wish him the best, but I think he has enough upside and has hit well enough this season, but he's not He's not as valuable to the Cubs right now. If they do want to find somebody to fill in a everyday third baseman or a lefty reliever, if they are willing to make some kind of decent deal, maybe, maybe Nicky, Nick Magical is attractive to a team.
1: And it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the season, like on the early days of this podcast, how there's really not a spot for him on this team. And there's, there's other teams in major league baseball that need a second mm-hmm. baseman. But at the same time, I, as much as I give him, as much as I've given him shit this season, the job that Nick Magical has done is—he, it's been really impressive. The fact that he's been over, been able to take over third base and play it pretty damn well, honestly. Like that—that that should go without saying, right? Now he has played a, a a really solid third base over there at the hot corner mm-hmm. for a guy that just started playing there for the first time in his career. Reportedly this learned
0: it via YouTube.
1: Yeah, I mean, Reportedly, yeah he he is a guy that is truly every day you see him in that lineup offensively and defensively he is fighting for his life to stay on this club and it it, it I think it shows but you you do you, you're right there is a chance that you know maybe he is an attractive peach whether we are buying or not
0: when you're a borderline that's the weird thing when you're a borderline buyer or seller and you're not going to make you know the sexiest deal as you like to say but you also know there's ways to beef up your team the weird thing is that yeah you don't want to absolutely you know burn the farm system because that's just not the place you're in right now but you also don't know if you can coast with the team you have my guess is that's what they're gonna end up doing if they're still floating at that in a month they're gonna try and coast along with what they have and really hope for a fun august and september maybe make some bullpen work i hope so but there's just not enough tradable assets i don't think unless unless you completely pull the trigger. And trades and trade, trade Strowman, which I don't think they would do. There is, I don't think there's enough for the Cubs to consider themselves buyers, but I don't think they're bad enough to consider themselves sellers. They might just exactly. have to knock on wood and hope it works out in August and September.
1: There's there's certainly tradable assets on the team, whether you look at Marcus Strowman, Cody Bellinger, Nick Madrigal. But why would they want to trade those guys right. if they're only three games out, three games out of the division come August?
0: Well. <sighs> I don't, My whole thing with Cody at the beginning of the season, I remember we talked about this in one of our earliest episodes. My whole thing with Cody is he's on that very player-friendly twenty million dollar one-year contract where he's doing this just to prove to teams, hey, I'm good enough to get my long-term deal. So I don't think Belliger's going to be a Cub after this year, full transparency. I hope so. I hope we resign him. He's been a great addition to this team. But I think, barring his injury – he's done well enough where a team is willing to sign him now to a five or six year deal. At least I I would hope so. Um And I hope that for him, but that said, I don't think we need to trade him because I think there's a chance we can bring him back. And I think he can continue to be helpful for this team if they try and, and make a run for this division.
1: Yeah. Especially with him being okay with taking over that first base spot, right. knowing that Mike Talkman is, you know, has a, a better ankle than he does right now. Not only that, but you know, if it, if you can put out your best nine full time, then yeah, keep playing Cody over there at first base and have mm-hmm. Mike Talkman play every day in center field.
0: So that, I mean, that's the thing. That's our that's our most tradable asset. That was our Jock Peterson. That was our Wilson Gutierrez. Like that was the guy going into the season that we were like, all right, well, you know, when we're 10 games under in July, here's who's getting shipped off for every prospect known to man. But at this point we're stuck in a situation where we're only three games back. And if we're going to commit to, to keeping this team around, then I really hope Cincinnati cools off a little bit, which they, you know, two in a row losses is good. Um, the Brewers continue floating and, and the Cubs can find a way to, to get up there because it's been a fun couple weeks, but we've really kind of just been stuck in this third place spot. And much of that is to do with this Reds team, which I know you specifically. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to end this episode without having touched on a little bit more in the Reds. You specifically were tweeting about Ellie a little bit over the weekend and just as Joey Votto called him the next Mickey Mantle. Um, he is insane and he came up at just the right time for this Reds team and looking at it without my blue and red glasses on, this Reds team really is fun and I'm happy for their fans.
1: Yeah, they are, they are a lot of fun and it, it makes you really upset and a little bit jealous that they're in the NL Central because and, you know, I heard, um, they were talking about it on the radio today, how, you know, when they swept the Cubs, they, it still didn't feel like they were that good. But now when you look back on it, they just, they're just all playing for their lives over there. And whether it's guys that are on one year deals or these, these fun rookies that they're calling up when it comes to Ellie and Spencer Steer and Matt McLean, like those guys just came up instantly made an impact for them. And they're just playing a a great brand of baseball right now, and you know they they have the prospect capital too, which I I'm I'm fully confident the C- the Cincinnati Reds will be buyers at the deadline. I do not think they'll stand pat because they do need more arms in that pitching rotation. They need a couple more arms in that road in that bullpen. But looking from an offensive standpoint, they're one through nine right now. I mean, it's crazy to say it, but it's. It's top 10 of baseball as we stand in this major league season.
0: They sniffed the playoffs in that 16 teams make it COVID year, but I don't think they've won this division since the early 2010s. They will be, I would say at this point, a pretty good front runner to take this division based on the last couple weeks of Reds baseball we saw, which is crazy to say. I don't think we could have saw that coming. I think we knew they had some upside this year, but for a team that had their fans, out there two weeks into the season in 2022 uh, screaming for higher level ownership to sell. I think they've turned it around for their fans pretty fast. And and again, taking a step back from also being in the same division, it, they are a hard team to hate, but we're going to have to as the Cubs continue to try it and take this division from them.
1: Yeah, it'll certainly be an interesting month of July for them because that's truly going to show. Excuse me, who the Cincinnati Reds are like yeah are they are they just like the Pittsburgh Pirates were at the beginning of the season? I don't think so because I think they're much deeper than that and I think they have a lot more confidence with each other in that lineup. But the, it, this is a big 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 month for them as we head towards the All-Star break and into the trade deadline. Where where will they be? It's 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 almost a similar situation to the Cubs, but they're just You know, six games over, I think right now, six or maybe a little bit less than that after two (laughs) losses in a row, but I, it's, it's, it's hard not to like them, but you, you know, you gotta, you gotta put your blue and red glasses on and say, I hate the Cincinnati Reds.
0: Thankfully, I would argue the Pirates are done. They, I think the thing they're looking forward to the most is calling up, um, Fellow Kerry Grove high schooler and MLB the show legend and Eyes, Quinn Priester, who had 11 strikeouts for the Indianapolis Indians yesterday, which I was so happy to see. I hope he gets called up soon. Um, and
1: they are, they're all hands on deck right now because, you know, they just called up Henry Davis and they called Mm up one of their top infield prospects, Nick Gonzalez. They're all hands on deck trying to save their season. Just, I, I, I think after getting, you know, swept and basically wept on the floor by the Cubs I don't think
0: that's a season breaker like that's the thing as like a as like a Pirates fan that's the thing you're like yep it was all well that season and then we lost we got swept two seasons or two series in a row against Chicago and that was the downhill and I like Henry Davis too I wish the best for that guy I saw him in a home run when I was at a spring training where my grandpa has a house and um I was hoping to get call up this year and I was glad to see him get a hit in his first at bat even though it was against the Cubs So, this month in Chicago Cubs baseball, the Phillies this week to round out June. Followed by, I'll just give a quick rundown of everyone. We're going to see Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, the Yankees, Red Sox, the Nationals, and the Cardinals again at the end of the month. The White Sox, the Cardinals again. And then, finally, right at the end of July into August is when we get to see Cincinnati. And I would think, hopefully, based on how these two teams have been playing, hopefully things all go to plan and that series ends up being crucial in the early August between the Cubs and the Reds.
1: Yeah. I mean, to end out the first half, you know, hold up. I've just had it up. Philly, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, you know, Yankees are stumbling right now. Those are three pretty winnable series in my eyes. So continue to play the brand of baseball that they have over these last two weeks. And I mean, what we're talking about right now, we're, Will they be buyers or not? I think if you continue to play this winning brand of baseball, where you know starting pitching has been lights out, the offense is finally hitting, and you know, I, I I I I rip on him a lot, but I I really like that David Ross has found how he's finally found out how to use his bullpen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think for, that for what he has at least exactly. I think that is the most. And I know, I know we're going to wrap it up here soon, but I think that is as much as, as awesome to see that the offense has been hitting. I think David Ross finally finding guys in that bullpen with Julian Merriweather, Mark Leiter, Edward Alzalai, and even, you know, little Anthony K action as their lefty right now. And, um, you know, Wesneski seems to be like he's going to stick around in the bullpen for a little while longer here. I, I like how he's been using the bullpen recently and it's actually. Helped win a lot of games over this last two weeks.
0: 11 games against the American League in July, I was counting up there. It's kind of an interesting fact Uh between the Red Sox, Yankees, White Sox, and the Cleveland Guardians. But yeah, I completely agree with what Rossi has done with this bullpen, and I think that'll be a huge key going into some tough matchups in July. Before we wrap it up, we usually wrap it up on a funny note. So this could be funny, and this is also soap bro- soapbox Ben Hootie time. You were not happy today, Ben, with ESPN's coverage of baseball in London, specifically, as I saw others tweet about, too, um, the pronunciation of Adbert Alzoli as it pertains to um, K&A <laughs> K Rod today on the broadcast from across the pond. So the floor is yours. Let's hear what, w- what got Twitter in a firestorm today during the game.
1: It was just, and it was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch. Um, and you know what? I'm not a big fan of A-Rod, but it really wasn't as much A-Rod as it was Michael Kay. I mean, Kay is a professional. He's been doing this for a long time. And I know he's calling the Yankees games basically every day. And you know, it, it really did show today that for both teams, whether it was St. Louis or the Cubs, he did not do his research at all. And it's it was it was hard to watch. Like what pissed me off the most was the Cubs in the eighth and ninth inning, not the ninth inning, but in the eighth inning, the Cubs put runners on first and second with nobody out or maybe one out, whatever it might be. And they were too busy worrying about Tim Kirchin and his the fact that he wasn't able to find his diet Mountain Dew in <clears> London. <throat> they had no diet Mountain Dews. And the Cubs had runners on first and second, didn't even mention it. That entire inning, they didn't mention a batter until Mike Tuckman. The second batter, after, so whatever, two, two batters came on, Cody Bellinger came off to the plate. He was the game-tying run if he hit a home run. They never mentioned it, never once even thought about it, talked about it, whatever. Cody Bellinger hits a really hard hit ball to right field, gets caught, it was a nice piece of hitting, but it couldn't get anything done. And then Mike Talkman comes back up to the plate with runners on first and second. And you can tell Kay was literally surprised that the Cubs had the tying run at the plate. He was like, "Oh, and look at this! The Cubs have the tying run at the plate." Cody Bellinger was the tying run at the plate. Literally, not even a minute a minute ago. And, and now you're realizing it because you were too busy worrying about Tim Kirshen finding his diet Mountain Dew in London. It, it was, it was honestly atrocious. And I don't know how ESPN continues to, if you want to grow the game, those are not the guys you go to in a, in a booth for a, uh, for a game.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I watched most of the game today in a restaurant have, eating out to breakfast. Uh, that's why I love the 9 a.m. I was able to eat some breakfast out and kind of watch. But I, uh, I so the, obviously I couldn't hear the volume. But looking at your Twitter, I knew I wanted to hear on the pod, as I'm sure the listeners do, what the rage was about because you were not the only one. A lot of MLB writers, both Cubs, Cardinals, everyone was talking about how bad they thought it was. Uh, on a positive broadcaster note, I'm sure you saw um, the British stream of the game. That Uh, was awesome electric. If I would have known that was a thing, I would have tried harder to like, cause I'm sure it was on like stream East or something. Like I would have watched the whole game like that. Like I really feel bad. I was just looking stuff up while you were talking there. I can't find his name. So if somebody knows his name, please tell me on Twitter. The British announcer who did the game, at least on Friday was electric. And I recognize his voice. I think he does. I think he does high profile soccer games in in the UK too. Like I recognize his voice, Um, but it was the, the Swanson home run specifically that went viral. Um, go watch the video. If you haven't yet, it was the, the way he called it was a lot like a football, like a, I'll say football. Cause it's, you know, it's Brit- British. So uh, soccer, whatever. Um, But it was a big hit by Swanson's going all the way back. It's going to get over the wall, and it is into the bullpen. That might be the exclamation point to a great Chicago Cubs victory here in London tonight. A long bomb from Dansby Swanson, two-run homer, blah, 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 blah. I I just love that almost the second-to-last sentence, and that might be the exclamation point to a great Chicago Cubs victory here in London tonight. I don't know. It seems very soccer-ish to me but I love it like it's just the intensity without screaming is just so cool from the announcer standpoint and I really thought it was cool and I hope I haven't seen the numbers but I really hope the goal of the MLB was accomplished and and the game was grown this weekend
1: oh for sure and I mean I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter and that clip was great Mm -hmm. and I know you're a big I know you're a big Joe Davis fan I know you Mm -hmm. say he's one of the best and and he did a great job him and Schmoltz uh you know Joe Davis is joe davis is so professional and he lets his colors work mm-hmm. and he i mean obviously we're two student broadcasters so we know you know from the color standpoint as well as uh play by play joe davis lets his colors work but michael Kay and alex Rodriguez you guys were just two buddies just chatting it up in yeah the booth. Like, well they
0: have that they have that goofy like Manning cast-esque thing that those two do together, like during Sunday Night Baseball sometimes, like they didn't do it this week, obviously because they were in London or flying back, but like I think they just needed to, I think the key was they needed to make it a, a bit, a bit more formal across the pond, and yeah. they just, they just didn't. They didn't, you know, they didn't, you know, get the wrinkles out of their shirts and button up the top button. Well, I mean, when you're, when you're in the presence of the Royals like that, not Kansas City, the actual Royals, when you're in the presence of the Royals, you, you gotta, keep things formal and I think Joe Davis and John Smoltz did that um pretty beautifully as they always do I th- I think Joe Buck always got a bad rep but I kind of miss him calling games on Fox too I I think he I never despised him
1: yeah he never even though he did have that cardinal bias most of the time it never really bothered me too much no me neither but yeah I mean I I even thought it was funny that uh you know 670 score host and uh usual Cubs studio host Matt Spiegel uh he was even ripping on michael k and uh, a rod today so i just thought it was really interesting to see like fellow people in sports media just ripping on these guys for the way they were doing it that's why i you know i even i like i i hate to rip on people other people's commentary oh yeah me neither yeah but when you see like the big boys out there like ripping on these guys like you know what it's like, you know what? I'm going to chime in because why not? I I want to put my opinions yeah. out there.
0: Well, yeah, I agreed. And I was kind of down that Marquis didn't get to do any of the games, but I understand why it's national. And uh I was able to hear some clips of the radio and Pat Hughes, Zach and Ron did a great job as always. Um, Back on Joe Buck really fast. Did you, I saw something that he said, um, He thinks he's not done doing baseball. He's going to give it a couple more years doing, like, national football, and then he's going to, you know, retire, probably end up retiring somewhere where there's a baseball team and do their, like, everyday radio or TV, which will be kind of cool. I'm assuming it'll be St. Louis. Um, I know they just brought in Chip Carey, but I think that's what's upcoming for him. So he's not going anywhere as as it pertains to baseball.
1: Yeah, Joe Buck, I mean, you know, as much as people give him crap, he was the soundtrack of our – like yeah. the best year of our life. So I'm just surprised they
0: they haven't had him. I'm sure they've asked him, he says no. I'm surprised they haven't tried to get him on ESPN's baseball crew, especially with no football going on right now.
1: Yeah, that's what I've always thought about too. It's pretty interesting how he doesn't do any baseball. And I think people would appreciate it a lot more than some of the uh announcers that uh are currently employed by like ESPN. They- I'm not I'm not gonna name any names. Obviously you've heard Maybe yeah. rip on K and A Rod, <laughs> but there are there are a couple other guys that yeah. uh cannot do I, national broadcasts.
0: Wainwright, to his
1: credit, is good at color. Like I've heard, like they had Wainwright
0: do color in the playoffs a couple years ago after the Cardinals got knocked, and he's actually good. He'll be a good announcer someday.
1: Yeah, I I just love how there's I I love the uh the like the Joe Davis John Schmoltz guy. Like mm-hmm. Joe Davis, probably I don't know his background, but he's probably. Just like us, he probably grinded out in college, got, got out there, worked his ass off, and now he's calling games with frickin' John Schmoltz on national TV. Like, yep. I, I love when they, when you got that guys that know the game really well and, you know, pitched, pitched or played at the top of their peak. And then you got, you know, just a grinder that probably grinded out their way through college, you know, calling probably, Myrtle Beach Pelicans games or single A games and moved up, moved up the ranks. And- I
0: knew this. I knew it. I, I knew there was some local connection with, with, sorry to cut you up. I knew there was some local Joe Davis connection. So I Wikipedia would it really fast. He went to Bull College, College was close enough, but he in his bouncing around the minors before he was calling the world series, he was a Schomburg Flyers, uh, microphone man for a while, which is pretty close to me, actually over here That's in the awesome. north, in the north suburbs. So. Everyone starts somewhere, right? We'll get Joe Davis again for the All-Star Game, and you'll get me and Ben again in the next week as the Cubs continue to try and keep the train rolling throughout July. Who knows, Ben? We get some wins again in the next week. Maybe we'll come back, and you'll be able to finally say it. I'll say it. I think the Cubs are back. Do
1: you? I will not be using the B word yet.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening. Go Cubs.
1: Go Cubbies.